The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. It may seem bizarre to young adults today, but there was a time when there was no drink driving limit for alcohol. Now, you could be done for driving while intoxicated and causing harm, but your sobriety would likely have been measured by asking you to walk in a straight line. So, for a look back at the history of the alcohol limit, we're joined by Connor Faulkner, travel commentator and CEO of the RIAC. Good morning, Connor. Good morning, Pat. Hello. Now, it's been um, an offence to drink, to drive while intoxicated since when? Well, it goes all the way back to the 1930s. 1933 was the first kind of proper road traffic act. And that made it an offence to drive a a motor vehicle while drunk. Um, But that's all the law said. So establishing what drunk meant was, uh, you know, in the lap of the courts and an unprosecutable thing. Of course, motoring was tiny at that time as well. So it hadn't become the huge social issue that it became subsequently. But in theory, you couldn't drive drunk as far back as the 30s. But it could be on the uh, say-so of a guard in court. It was my impression, Your Honour, that the aforementioned was out of his brains. And (laughs) when they said drunk, they meant falling down drunk. Now, it gets interesting in the 1960s. We had the 1961 Act and importantly the 1968 Act, which is still the basis of our road traffic law. And that brought in the first alcohol limit. So the first ever breathalysers, the old blow-in-the-bag breathalysers on Irish roads, that was November 1969. How much could you drink? I mean, what was the limit on the breathalyser at the time? Well, this is extraordinary. The limit at the time was 125 milligrams uh, of, of, of alcohol per 100 milliliters. Of, okay, what so that two mean? and a half times what, what we now I, have. I can tell you, Pat, it is a bonkers high amount. 125 milligrams is falling down drunk. And we had a fun experience in the AA, oh, it's a good few years ago now. We actually made a road safety video involving alcohol testing and we had one of those meters. And what was extraordinary was we knew full well that people were drunk. They were telling you themselves they were drunk and they were testing below 100 milligrams. So 125 is literally, this person is in danger of passing out, call an ambulance rather than in danger of driving home. Okay, so that was 125. I remember doing a programme years ago on television where... Mm. Uh, we fed people drink and we had them in the car park at UCD and we had cones and we got them to do controlled driving tests. And the most extraordinary thing was that after one drink, people were actually better because their confidence uh, level had improved, their inhibition, they weren't as nervous. After two drinks, things started to disimprove and it got got to the point after four drinks where people didn't even know they were hitting the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can watch it happen and it's really well documented. I mean, it's not like other drugs in a sense. It's complicated for your cocaines and marijuanas. Alcohol has been so studied so globally that the effects are absolutely beyond dispute. So when do we start to bring it down from 125? Well, it got controversial in Ireland. It was lowered in 1978 to 100 milligrams and that was actually really controversial at the time. It was lowered again in 1993 and I remember that with fondness, Pat, because that's where I came in to the conversation and that was the first time that it was lowered uh, it was lowered down to 80, which was the European norm at the time. Now, it was pre-social media, but I as a youngster declared the AA to be in favour of it and spoke in favour of it and I was on the receiving end of a whole load of angry letters and phone calls at the time and the, the Environment Minister was Michael Smith and he was besieged at his home in Tipperary. It was really really controversial. It was like the the climate argument of its time. You had, um, you know, people claiming that they knew better than the science and it was really, really controversial. Now, now at the time, there was a difficulty for the Guardi. They couldn't do these mm. checkpoints, uh, where, which we're all familiar with, where they might kind of routinely or randomly do one and seven, one and eight, 
They weren't allowed to weren't do allowed to do that. It was a really toothless piece of law. In order to prosecute for drink driving, the guy that had to form the impression that the driver was drunk before he stopped the car. Uh, and if he didn't have good legal grounds to do that, then it didn't matter whether the person failed the breath test or not because the guard was never entitled to stop them. In practical effect, it meant you really had to be caught red-handed. You had to be weaving. You had to have a prang. Uh, you couldn't just be picked up in traffic. So when random breath tests were introduced, it was only in 2006. And that meant that the Gardaí could constitute a checkpoint. And when they'd done that, they could breath test anyone. Mm. And that really gave the law more teeth. And that, incidentally, was not controversial because at this stage it pivoted quite quickly between the 1990s and the early 2000s. And now the social mood is for lower drink drive limits and for tougher sections. Well, we are down to 50 milligrams uh, now, uh, which in theory means you can have a drink. Mm. And and then when you do the breathalyzer, because I've done it, there Mm. are three possibilities. One is that you have alcohol in your system, but you're not uh, above the limit. Two you're absolutely above the limit and you'll be done, or three, you've no alcohol at all in your Mm. system. Um, You're not in favour of zero alcohol. Yeah, there is no zero, really. A de facto zero is about 20 milligrams, and there's really no road safety justification for for trying to micro-police at levels lower than that. So your sip of a chocolate liqueur, and actually this is a little bit controversial as far as the RSA are concerned, because they're pushing the message, not even one drink. But actually medically on the data, the, the real risk zone is not the individual with one drink or the one shandy guy. It's the person who's had three or four because they don't feel drunk yet. And yet the scientific data shows that their risk rate has increased by a factor of six. Their judgment is is really off. And as I was saying earlier, that's really well studied. That's nobody's opinion. It's universally studied and, and the data is not in doubt. From 50 to 80 milligrams, there's a huge hockey stick curve on how much risk goes up. It's nearly exponential. North of 80, it keeps increasing, but the major spike has happened. So what that means in terms of risk is, is the moment you hit 50, you, you are pushing into unacceptable risk. Now, there's other complicating factors when you try and microanalyse, but I think the level, the levels are in their right place yeah. at the moment. Uh, one of the things, uh, and I've questioned them about this over the years, is alcohol-related uh, yeah. deaths. And that could be a pedestrian who is drunk, who stumbles in front of a car, not the driver's fault at all, but that goes down as an alcohol-related death. And it blurs the data. I mean, for me, that's the, the, the bane of some of these campaigns. It, it, a da- data that is strong enough in its own right does not need to be overstated or exaggerated. It, you know, the, the, alcohol, the real data on alcohol is scary enough. Um, so, as I say, we shouldn't blur it. Um, nevertheless, the RSA has done some good work with this. There was a study in 2016 where they looked at over 200 uh, deaths where, where, you know, driver alcohol had been involved. And they concluded that there were some deaths where the driver was drunk but did not cause the accident. Mm-hmm. And But actually, that was only about five or six deaths out of over 200. So it is possible that, you know, it wasn't the alcohol that caused the accident. But nevertheless, we can't be blind to the data. And as I say, I think on balance, our, our limits are in the right place. Yeah. Our problems are more about policing them oh, and catching and, people. And it, from the RSA's point of view, it would be better that they do not give fodder to the counter-arguments if they were actually giving us clear data, you know, so many alcohol-related deaths. Of those, you know, 14 were pedestrians who were drunk, 
where the driver was not uh, Which is really strong data. Well, I mean, what are we doing about that? Vulnerable road user campaigns and, and all of that. It, it's worth pointing out that while all this was going on, our road debt situation, as we said before, Pat, was improving through those decades. And in fact, we're much, much better than we used to do, used to be. And you can see the social changes. You know, the, the car parks in the, in, in the golf clubs are empty. You know, we're, we're not drink driving the way the generations previously did. And obviously that's a good thing. Doesn't mean it's perfect. It's still out there and it's definitely still one of our big killers. It should be pointed out that the industry has done its own bit because the zero zero uh, consumption has has gone up and even the half strength uh, in the golf clubs has been available for a yeah. number of years now and that has improved the situation. A, a broader societal thing, alcohol consumption is coming down as well over those decades. The pattern of Irish drinking is, one could argue, better than it used to be. And I know the alcohol people would perhaps jump up and down at that and say that much, much, much still needs to be done. But certainly on the roads, if you compare where we are now to 20 years ago, uh, it's, it's a vast, vast improvement. All right, Connor. Well, it's a it's a good news story when you think uh, so many more cars on the road and um, the deaths down to one third of what yeah, they a, were. A, a better behaved population that understands the data better than it did. Connor Faulkner, uh, travel commentator and CEO of the RIAC. Thank you very much uh, for joining. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at nine a.m. on News Talk. Joining us.